So good, man. We are so blessed uh, right now to have such amazing singers and musicians and talent. Thank you guys so much. I'll explain this later on, y'all. Just hang with me for a moment. We are so, so blessed to have so many great singers and musicians and worship leaders, and I'm grateful for all of them. They're not all on stage real quick, but one more time, would you give all those guys a hand real quick? Thank you. And I also just have to say this, uh, Thursday's my wife's birthday, so happy birthday, babe. Uh, give it up for Rach right quick. I not only have the pressure of, of speaking to you guys every week, but I also have the benefit where if I want to say happy birthday to somebody, I can do that too. So it's, it's cool for me like that. Anyways, so we're starting a series today. If, you're, if, you're, if this is your first time here or if you're new around here, thank you so much for being here. We're so excited that you're here, uh, especially for this series. We do this every February uh, just to kind of shed hope and light and grace uh, on relationships. And we're basing this series off a book uh, by a pastor named Levi Lusco called Swipe Right. I'll explain that in just a minute. Um, I had to look that up. I didn't know what that meant, and I'll, I'll help you guys with that if you're old like I am and you don't know what that means either. Um, but here, here's the big hope for this relationship series. We're, we're praying that we will see God help us uh, to regret-proof our marriage beds and ultimately our deathbeds as it relates to our romantic relationships. Like, God, help us Regret proof, because only God can do this, by the way. Our, our deathbeds and our marriage beds. That those of us who are single, uh, when, we, when and if we choose to get married, we'll, we'll approach that marriage bed and, and we'll arrive there not, not filled with regrets and, 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 and whatever about what we did romantically before we got there. And those of us who are already married, um, man, from this day forward, what we're saying is we're not going to do anything to heap uh, regret on our marriage beds and by extension, our deathbeds. That's, that's the dream. That's the hope. And the language that we're going to use is that from this day forward, from this day forward, from this day forward, from this day forward, um, because we can't change what we've done in the past. We can't change what's happened. We can't change the decisions. We can't change what happened to us. And so we're not trying to come along and add guilt or shame um, for the stuff that you've done wrong or that I've done wrong. But what we're here to do and what we're here to do during this series is to fight for our future. And in particular, and in particular, I'm not going to lie, to fight for the future of, of the young people in the room, the students in the room, uh, the, 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 the single people in the room. Uh, we used to just do marriage series all the time, and they were like, wait a minute, our church is about half married, and the rest of them are, uh, it's complicated. You know what I'm saying? And... Uh, so we're like, no, we're not leaving anybody out. Um, so I, we, we love our students, and they're, if they're in the room, those of you who are in the room, you're not, you're not just part of the future church that we're going to have. You're part of the church right here, right now. And so we, we want to speak to you today um, a, as well. Um, and, and so I'm here to say, from this day forward, it can be different. Amen, somebody? That, that, that God's grace is sufficient no matter what's happened in our past or what will ever happen. His grace is enough. Amen? Amen? Amen. Lord, thank you for your, this day. Thank you for the word of God, which we're going to share here in a minute. And I pray that we would have open hearts and open minds to receive from you what you have for us today. In Jesus' name, everybody said a good amen. 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 I got to get quickly on to it. Let me just say a word about this series. We're going to get down, particularly over the next, today and in part, and then over the, uh, some weeks to come, uh, with the real and the raw, all right? Everybody say the real and the raw. 
because this is the stuff that the enemy is using to destroy people's lives and relationships. So if you have little ones in here who are old enough, like not old enough to really understand, but just old enough to go, what's he talking about, mommy? It might be time to take uh, them to Kids Point, and we'll have some amazing people that will help you do that. So just a, just a word, just a word. Um, uh, and so we'll be happy to help you. Listen, we, we live in a world, and, and can I also say this before I jump in? I, I just read this week, I've been doing a lot of research planning for this series, I just read this week that the average kid in America has their first encou- encounter with pornographic imagery at the age of six. Six years old, six years old. Like when I was a kid, it was hard to find that stuff. You had to go wander through the woods, you had to look under somebody's bed, you had to go into somebody's closet. Come on, dude, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> I'm not saying celebrate it, I'm just saying that's what happened. <laughs> They're like, yeah! No. But now they don't even mean to. They accidentally do it, and it happens all the time. And so uh, it's my opinion, it's just my opinion, and I'm a dad of two, uh, two girls, that you can't start young enough. You can't start young enough. So if you're a little bit uncomfortable because your kids are in the room, it's going to be okay, I promise you. But if you are, you can take them out. Nobody's going to look at you weird. All right, so here we go. All right. We, we live in a world that is saturated by sexuality. That's a fact. And if you're my age or younger, then this has been true your entire life. Everywhere you look, every commercial, every billboard, on our phones, Netflix, movies, television, it's everywhere. We are surrounded by a world that filled with gratuitous sexuality. And and the way that I can sort of describe this is it's kind of like being in the middle of the ocean surrounded by water, but dying of thirst. Picture that with me. Because this has happened to people. Water everywhere, but not a drop to drink. And I wonder if that's not just an appropriate analogy uh, for us to begin this conversation that will happen over the next few weeks as we talk about how to navigate our romantic decisions in this world and this culture that we're living in at the moment because, man, there's for sure a lot of sexuality, but it's everywhere, and we're abounding with options, but there's not a drop to drink that satisfies at a soul level. Now, some of you are older, like I am, I'm 47, and my beard says that I'm 67, but I'm only 47, all right? Um, and, and, and you're like, if you're like me, you're like, what does swipe right even mean? Like, I don't, I didn't even know what that really meant. I knew it had something to do with an app, but I didn't really understand. But at a base level, it's just about making a decision. Swiping left, swiping right, it's just about making a decision uh, in, in the moment. That's the metaphor. I, I, I know that s- most of you are, 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 are aware now that technology has completely changed the way that people meet each other. Like back in my day, like back in NAM, right? Like, like <laughs> folk just met people at a bar or in a restaurant or at church, right? I know that's weird for some of you that, that people met each other face-to-face first. That's so weird, right? But that's how it went down. But then came technology and the internet and computers and then dating sites started popping up. And then, man, they got really skilled at it and really hip and they, they started creating apps on your phone. Like you don't even have to type on your computer. You can just pull out your phone. Now, I don't know this for a fact because I've never done this. I just need it. I'm happily married for 21 years, y'all. But there is an app called Tinder, apparently, where like I could be at Starbucks and if I had, if I had a mind to, I could just go, who's in this Starbucks with me? Who's close by around me? And pictures would start to pop up. If I swipe left, I'm like, nah, not so much. Like that's what would happen if I was on that thing. I'd be like, nah. Nah, nah, nah. But, but if, if you're like, whoa, you swipe right. You swipe right. That's, 
You with me now? That's what swipe right means. Right? You swipe right, and then, then if you're in the mood, and, and, and if both of you are in the mood, I guess you got, it takes two, right? You, you can hook up with little or no strings attached, a sea of water around, but, 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 but nothing to drink. And that's what we're trying to say, is we're going to try to follow God's lead, and we're going to swipe right, and what we mean by that is swipe correctly. We're going to choose correctly when it comes to God's, to plan, God's plan for romance. That's the series. So, so that we wouldn't just wander through this life making mistakes that actually do count in the long run or going with the flow of our culture, but we would instead look up, what do you, want, what do you have to say about this, God? And, that you would, and we would live right, that we would sort of swipe right in, in God's sight. So to begin the conversation, I am going to uh, try to expose uh, and shine some light on three lies about sex, about sexual relationships that, that you might have been told uh, that you might have bought into, that, that come from our culture, that come from entertainment, that come from our friends sometimes, that comes certainly from our spiritual enemy. And oftentimes, even as believers, even as older believers, we have believed it without even knowing that we're living out of, that we're making decisions out of uh, 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 things that are lies, right? So the first one is this, and this is the one I'm going to spend the most time on so that if you think, man, that took a long time, the other two won't, okay? Just FYI. I just want to give you a relax. Uh, the first is this, is that, that sex is just a physical activity, right? Just a physical thing. It's, it's biological. It's just an appetite. It's just what people do with their bodies, and that for millennials and for younger, even people who are younger than millennials, it's more and more their worldview on sexuality that we're just like any other animals, right? You know, and they're like, hey, look at that, you know, buffalo. I don't know, and uh, woo, you know, and and they may have to they may have to butt heads for a little while first, like any uh, national. Ge- I'm like, like if I was a, I, I saw these Rams. I love, love National Geographic, and they're on the side of a cliff, and they're smashing heads. And I'd be like, I'm just not gonna have to. I'm not gonna do it. I'm just gonna not get a girlfriend, because that's why they're smashing heads. Y'all know that, right? Like, like maybe they gotta smash some heads or whatever. But eventually, they're like, hey, now I, I'm gonna get all the chicks. That's what happens in those herd type things, right? Like we're just another animal. And, 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 and it's no different than kissing or whatever. But God's word tells us something other than that, that it's so much more than a, than a physical activity because we've been given more than the animals. Um, I know that offends some of you, right? You're like, not my dog. My dog is just like a person. No, it's a dog. <laughs> it's a dog. You may put it in a stroller like this one lady in our neighborhood. You may dress it up. You may take it to the mall and put a little jacket on it, pretending like you have problems, right? But you really don't. You're like, I just like my dog with me wherever we go. But if you do have issues, uh, we get it. We understand the dogs, all right? We even have some folks who bring their dogs in here. But some people are taking advantage of it. Can I just be honest with it? Like, <laughs> lady, I know you're fine. Anyways, um, <laughs> you just got, you just want to bring your puppy with you everywhere. Anyways, I shouldn't have said that. Somebody's going to be offended and give me an email now. Anyways, I, I didn't mean it. I didn't mean any of it. We're better than the animals. The Bible says whether we would express it in this way or not, that we've been created in the image of God, and so we're, we're, we're called to a higher standard than, higher standard than even my, my perfect little dog, Carson Boy. We're called to a higher standard than him because hardwired into us by God is something called a conscience. 
And we just understand deep down that there is a right and that there is a wrong, and animals, generally speaking, don't know this most of the time, right? You're like, I spanked my dog enough times that he knows now not to do it or whatever. You give him enough treats, however you do that. And, and there's something outside of us. There's something higher above us, and that is God. And he has revealed himself to us in the person uh, of Jesus, through the name of Jesus. And he has so much more for our lives as it relates to sexuality and romance than whatever our baser instincts and our sinful nature or whatever the world would try to press into us um, by the way of values and perspectives and outlooks. There is more to it than what we're hearing out there. Amen, somebody? That it's more than just physical. That it, that it involves you at the deepest possible level because your heart gets involved. And anytime your heart gets involved, the Bible would teach us that it becomes a big deal. Uh, the, the wise man Solomon said in Proverbs 4.23, guard your heart with what? Look at this with me. With all diligence, right? Guard your heart with all diligence for out of it spring forth the issues of life, meaning whatever you put in there, whatever you allow to get inside your heart is eventually going to what? It's going to make its way back out of you. That's exactly how it works. And since what you do with your body connects with your heart, and what happens in your heart ultimately affects your whole life, you have to be very careful with this gift from God uh, of sexuality. And that's why when God gave it to us, not only did he give it to us, he taught us how to use it, because he invented it. And, and some of us are like, no, no, it was invented in Vegas back in the 50s, right? No, it wasn't. Come on, somebody. You're like, yes, it was. No, 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 it wasn't. God invented it, and, and, and he has the schematics from when he invented it. Like, he's like, I gave it to you as a gift. I know how you should use it, when you should use it, and with whom. So from the very beginning in Genesis chapter 2, verse 24, the Bible says that God's plan for all of this was that a man would, should leave his father and his mother and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. Paul would go on in 1 Corinthians 6, 16, and say the very thing, that, that two f shall become one flesh. And that idea is that happens, that one flesh happens uh, in sexuality in, in the marriage bed. Now, Paul when he writes, and we're going to read some of his writings here in a minute, when he's writing in Corinthians, he, he's writing to a town that, just for perspective, is sort of parts New York City and parts like San Francisco and Coachella and Las Vegas, kind of all mixed into one. Like this town was wild, man. And these new believers were, were, were saved out of that, but a lot of them were still participating in this, this lifestyle. And he's like, hey, y'all, I know it's normal in your town to hook up with prostitutes. There was a thousand prostitutes that would come from the temple there in Corinth, and every night they would come and do their thing, and they were religious prostitutes. Amazing, I know. And, and, and I know it's cool for you guys to think that it's, you just hook up with these one-night stands and have multiple partners other than your spouse. I know that's a normal part of your world, but sounds a, lot, a little bit like ours except for the thousand prostitutes at night. But, but let me tell you something. There's more going on here than what you can see with your eyes. On an invisible level, th th there are things happening because two, he says, when you hook up like that, are becoming one. You're triggering a God-wired union inside, but, it, but it's not going to develop into the lifelong covenant under God's eyes with this person that he intended you to be married to. It's just this hookup for a moment. It's just, it's just hit it, quit it from Tinder. It's just this casual encounter. And you think, ah, I didn't affect me in any way at all. You're walking away from it like, man, that was, we both understood that was just physical and fun. But what no human eye can see, what no microscope can find, uh, microscope can find, is that there's something that has happened to you in your soul 
on the deepest possible level, it is happening to you, it is impacting you. And the idea that Paul gives us in, in, in 1 Corinthians 6 and 16, in that whole passage of chapter 6, in the back half of that chapter, uh, and, and in the verses that we're going to read, is it, it influences how we're going to communicate this message, this whole series. Because quite honestly, a lot of times, anytime there's been communication about this subject, for me growing up, my church never talked about this. We would have never talked about this, and some of you are like, man, we need to go back to the old ways. No, no, no. It's going to be helpful, right? We'd have never talked about it. They didn't talk about it in my youth group. I love my mom and dad, but when I was 26 years old and I was about to get married, my dad, for the first time, said, son, here's a book about sex. And I was like, you know, pops, I appreciate that, um, but I'm 26. I've, I've figured it out. Ha just for the record, I hadn't had it yet. Praise Jesus, right? But I, had, I knew how things worked, at FYI, all right? So, but I was like, thanks for the book, Dad. Uh, anyways, um, <laughs> my brother's here, so he's cracking up right now. <laughs> all right, so anyways. Um, so, so what we were told, though, all I would ever hear if we talked about it at all was just, just don't, right? Students, don't. Like, well, why not? Well, because God said so. Or you're going to get an STD. Or, and I did this too because I was a youth pastor for 14 years. Or you, you'll shoot your eye out. You know, and it's like, don't. <laughs> Somebody's going to get pregnant, right? That's what we would say. And, and those are real issues. They're, they're, that's a fact. Those, are, those things are true. Um, like the United States, we lead the world in teen pregnancy between the ages of 15 and, and 19. We lead the world. 57 out of 1,000 kids in America, girls will get pregnant. 57 out of 1,000. We are number one in the world at that. That's not a good thing. Uh, according to the World Health Organization, 28% of sexually active adults in the world, they have herpes, right? Uh, according to a, two different studies I read yesterday, one of them said 40%, one of them said 60% of college co-eds in, in our universities and colleges have uh, the HPV, that, that papilloma virus, or did I say that right? Las Palapas virus. I don't know what it is. <laughs> I love me some Las Palapas, though. <laughs> Even if it is a virus, I'm still going to go there. You know what I'm, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So, so, <laughs> so it's relevant to say, hey, statistics and data and, and it's bad and things can go down. Like, but even if none of those things happen, there's still an impact in your heart that's deeper and, and I would say even more impactful there's still an impact on your soul that there's more to sex than skin on skin, that it's a spiritual mystery as much as it is a physical fact. And listen to me carefully. And some of you are not going to like this, and you're not even going to agree with it, but it's true and nevertheless. When you engage in sexual activity outside of God's plan, it makes it more difficult for you to enjoy it inside of God's plan. That's true. That's true. Some of you, you know that some of the junk that you did back in the day has impacted you now, right now. Some of the stuff that happened, maybe it's created trust issues, maybe it's created intimacy issues, but it, it had an effect on you. Matter of fact, C.S. Lewis, the great Christian writer, um, that apologist, he, he wrote in Mere Christianity, he said, the monstrosity of sexual intercourse outside marriage is that those who indulge in it are trying to isolate one kind of union, the sexual, just the physical, from all the other kinds of unions which God intended to go along with it and make up the total union. That it's not just physical, that there's this whole body, soul, mind, spirit thing going on, and that we just want to sort of isolate and just take pleasure in it and forget about the rest of it. And he called that a monstrosity. That there's so much more to it than skin on skin. And when you isolate just the physical experience, 
You're isolating it from what it was meant to be. It's not supposed to be just a physical act. It's body, it's mind, it's soul. It's deeply connected to us at a spiritual, spiritual level. And Paul says a similar thing in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 17. This is from the message paraphrase. He says, since we want to become spiritually one with the maker, he's talking about unity with God and how it affects unity with people. He says, we must, not, we must not pursue the kind of sex that avoids intimacy, our commitment and intimacy, leaving us more lonely than ever. That kind of sex can never become one. And here's the thing that I found out, that, that especially for older single people in their, tw- late, their 30s and their 40s, they're like, I'm lonely, so I'm just going to go hook up. But listen to me, that idea, I understand. Believe me, I understand that. But that's like taking a, a drop, a, a, a cup of salt water, expecting it to quench your thirst. It won't. Matter of fact, it's just going to leave you more thirsty. And this is what Paul says. Like, you, you ever... You ever put a sticker on your, on your computer or, or, God forbid, you buy something new and they put a sticker on it and you can't get it off? Anybody like this? Like, you get like one of those Yeti cups and you try to take the sticker off and it just leaves like a blob of goo on it behind there. Anybody know what I'm saying? Or, or like you, you, you stick a couple of pieces of paper together and you're like, ah, I changed my mind. I don't like the way that's arranged. What happens when you, when you rip it apart? Something's always left behind. Not just the glue, but a, a part of the piece of paper, a part of the sticker gets left uh, uh, behind. And, and God designed sexuality to trigger a unification, a union inside of our hearts. And when you glue your heart to somebody for a night, for a weekend, for a fling, for a bit, and then you just rip it off and tear it apart, and then you go do that again another weekend or another w- month, and you do it again and you tear it apart, and you glue your heart to somebody else and you tear it apart, you end up, now here's the thing, here's the thing you end up damaging the part of you that is meant to experience the fullness of sexuality with a lifelong spouse. That intimacy, that, 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 that deep connectedness that comes with it. You end up damaging your ability to feel that, to sense that, to know that. There's a numbing thing that happens. So some of you would push back and say, nope, not me, man. I don't have any soul or heart residue being left behind after my encounters. We both knew it was just physical. We were on Tinder. We swiped right, and it was just a thing. And I would argue that you do, but you're not feeling it anymore because you've numbed that experience. And I'm telling you, it's going to make it much harder for you to experience the, the, the wholeness, the fullness of what God intended when and if you ever decide to settle down. It's going to make it hard. At some point over time, it's losing its potency that God designed to affect uh, our whole person to, to keep us bonded together. And he's saying it's going to be difficult, maybe not impossible, but very difficult to achieve that oneness that there was meant to be. That's what Paul is saying here. First big lie, please hear me. S- students, listen to me. Single people, is that it's just a physical activity. It is not. It affects the human heart in bigger ways than you can know. Second big lie, and these are going to be shorter, is that I can do what I want and have what God wants for me at the same time, right? Now you're like, oh man, he's starting to crowd me now. He's starting to get on my own thing because I thought, well, God forgives, God loves me, he'll just forgive me and it'll be fine. Well, let me me push back on that a little bit, all right? 
Because some of us are like, I want to get the best of both worlds. I want to have my cake. I want to eat it too. I want to give in to my impulses. I want to I do what my friends are doing. I, I see what happens in the culture. These people are all having fun, and it's exciting, and, it, and it's cool. But I also want to have what God wants for me as well, right? I want to go to heaven, and I want to make a difference in the world. And I think I can have both if I can just figure out how to time it out right. Like, I, like 25, 26, 27, turn it off, and then go into God's kind of deal, right? That's, that's like, a, like go through college, sow my wild oats, and then turn it back on. Now, I'm sure nobody would ever admit that publicly, like, yep, that's exactly what I'm doing, right? You would never say that, but, but, but you're living that way anyways, and, and maybe it's because we've had people say, like, older people than us, not, not old enough to be wise yet, you know what I'm saying? Just old enough to be dumb enough to tell us dumb things like this, like, hey, man, you just got to sow your wild oats while you can, right? You're going to have all the rest of your life to be dragging around that old ball and chain of marriage. You got you to sow your wild oats right now. Right. Nobody who ever said that had daughters, or I promise you, because dads will be, I'll cut you, man. I'll cut you, man. You know what I'm saying? I told somebody I was going to pull out my knife today, so I did. Anyways, um, <clears throat> right, here, here's another one that they'll say, hey, just get it out of your system. Yeah, you have all the time in the world to, to, to be married, so until then, just get it out of your system. But that line of thinking has created tons of baggage and tons of dysfunction in people's lives that affects their marriages later on. And we'll come back to that. Here's where it gets real. I believe after many, many years, 20, almost 26 years this May that I've been in, in pastoral ministry, having seen the damage that this stuff wreaks and uh, havoc on in their marriages and lives, I believe that there are plenty of really good people whose marriages are struggling or have failed altogether. And the reason that they fell apart or that they are struggling has more to do with what happened before they were married than it, does, uh, than it does what happens in their marriage. Like, they, bra they brought in some baggage that happened, and they thought, it's not going to affect me. It's not going to hurt me. It's not going to be a big deal. I sowed my wild oats. It didn't do anything for me. When I get married, I'll turn all that off, and I'll start. And it has more to do with what they did before they're married than what happens in the marriage. And people would say about them, well, ah, I can't believe they didn't work out. Like, <laughs> They were perfect for, they were so good together. Why did that fall apart? Had nothing to do, or had very little to do with what was happening in the marriage. It had everything to do, its genesis was what happened before they ever got together that ultimately sabotaged their relationship. Let me explain what I mean. The enemy wants you to think, I can do what I want now while I'm young, while I'm single, while I'm footloose and fancy free or whatever. And then when I get older, I can still have all that God wants uh, for me to have as well. And, and what I did when I was young and single will not affect the person that I'm going to become later on in life and what I want God for, to, to, to give me and, and do for me. So that all the stuff that I looked at, all the hookups and the, the one-night stands and encounters I had won't have any effect on me later in life because after all, God loves me, God forgives me, He throw, takes my sins and throws them as far as the east is from the west, and all that's true, except there's one little fact that's sort of latent in all of that, and that is you're going to have to, I'm stealing this from, from, from uh, Levi Lusco, you're going to have to lug what you load. You're going to have to carry what you put in the pack along the life, life's journey. Now, I have these bags up here as kind of a reminder about this truth I'm going to unload to you. This is, this is the book of Galatians. Paul wrote this as well, chapter 6, verse 5. Verse 2 says, carry one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. Verse 5 says, for each one should what? Carry their own load. I, I love how the Phillips paraphrase says it. For every man must 
shoulder his own pack. Just And by the way, this is my suitcase, and that's my wife's suitcase, just <laughs> FYI. Mine, hers. Anyways. What, 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 what the writers mean, and I, I, I went to great depth to study this out to make sure that what I'm saying is true, that what the writer means is that we're going to have to deal with the, the, the burden, the pack that we have carried along with us throughout life. We're going to have to deal with what we put in the pack, that the decisions that we made over time, they end up going into this pack and, and they add up and then we're going to be forced to lug what we load through life. And, we're gonna, and, and then I, I read that we're also, because of this verse, we're also going to have to give account of what we put in the pack. We're going to have to give an account to God for what we put in the pack along with life's journey, which is a little bit scary, by the way. Qu- quick question. Any of you um, ever, while you were going on a trip or vacation recently or on a business trip, you ever put in more than in your bag that you overpacked? Anybody do this, right? Anybody, a couple of you? You can raise your hand for somebody near you, like, psh- Every time, I have to pay $175 for her 57-pound bag. Like, and I do this sometimes, too. Like, this pack, this bag has multiple zippers that let this thing expand. And so, because I wear size 13 shoes, like, two pairs of shoes and the bag's full. You know what I'm saying? Like, they're it's full. And so, pretty soon, my suitcase is, like, this tall. And I, I'm, like, I'm just embarrassed of it trying to put it in that little overhead deal because I don't want to pay the 25 bucks. And I'm, like, trying to figure out ways to jam it in there. And you're all angry and violent with it. Anybody see this? And you drop it on a dude's head. <laughs> I did that one time. <laughs> I dropped it right on the guy's head. He only spoke Spanish. And I didn't know what he was saying except for every now and then. Like, because I, I only know bad words. <laughs> And then I would hear a bad word, and I was like, he's talking about me right now, because I dropped it on his head. Anyways. So I wait till the last second to pack, and then because I'm in a hurry, I'm like, well, what kind of scenarios could I have? Could it be cold? Well, I've got to put 14 sweaters in there. You know, I I know I'm only going three days, but I might need 27 pairs of underwears, because you never know what's going to happen. I could get sick to my stomach. Come on, somebody. Is that too much? Anyways, uh, I got to have all these shoes. Do I need all these shoes? I don't know, but what if I want them? What if I want them? Put them in the bag, and before long, you're overpacked, and then you're up at the counter getting ready to check your bag, and it weighs 59,000 pounds. And ladies, I've seen you guys do that. You guys are in there, like, holding up the line, pulling out curling iron, pulling out, you know, underwear. Like, dude, put that away. Uh, Pulling out your your hair dryer, and then it's still, and you're putting it in your purse, and it's still not enough. So then you're, like, putting on extra pants and, like, more sweaters. And you're like, like the Michelin man going onto the plane. But I'm not paying that $473 they're going to charge me. You know what I'm saying? You pack too much. And this kind of represents our lives. All the decisions that we make along the, the way in terms of our, of our morality and our sexuality, all of them go into the box and we got to lug what we've loaded. Like the time when you were in the 11th grade and you got invited to Padre Island. Right? And man, those margaritas were big. And the next thing you know, honey, where's my pants? You know what I'm saying? Like that. Like, like graduation night or prom night where you didn't mean to, but you, you ended up because you, you didn't have boundaries set up. You got a luck that goes in the bag. Or that time you went to that conference and you, you and your wife were having a bad stretch and you drank a few too many and that goes in the case. And, and oh, I was in Las Vegas and what happens in Las Vegas stays in Las Vegas, only it doesn't. It also goes into the case. Everything that I'm seeing and everything, every image that I'm looking at and all the stuff that I'm swiping on goes into the case. And over time, over time, it gets heavy. And what we're saying is, no, 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 I'm just out there trying to get this all out of my system before I get married. But, but are you? Because your Bible and my Bible say 
that you're not getting it out of your system, you're actually putting it into your system. And now you gotta carry it. And now it's heavy. And now it's getting in the way. You're married now and, 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 and the load that you're lugging is getting in the way of your, your marriage and it's getting in the way of your people. And I hope you listen to me, students. I hope you're listening to me, single people. And I'm not saying this if you've made a mistake and, and are feeling guilty. I'm saying this to the people who haven't yet and are thinking about it. And you think, no, 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 Danny, I can have what I want and I can also get what God wants. And Galatians 6, though, is a problem. Verse 7, don't be under any illusion. You cannot make a fool of God. A man's harvest in life will depend entirely on what he sows. Oh yeah, but Danny, I'm just sowing my wild oats for now, man. No, no, it's, it's coming back as a harvest and it's gonna go into the suitcase and it's gonna go into the bag and now I'm going to the altar and now I'm gonna get married and now I'm standing next to Mrs. Wright or, or Mr. Wright and I'm making these decisions and I'm bringing myself into this union with this person but guess what else I'm bringing with me? Every single thing I chose to do while I was sowing my wild oats. And the baggage gets in the way, and the baggage starts to complicate intimacy and trust and the way I see my world and the way I view women because I've been looking at junk that objectified and horrified them. Come on, somebody. And listen, the bag gets so overstuffed sometimes that sometimes it, it just explodes all over the person we love. And so we would say, well, if she hadn't said that, if he hadn't done that, then I wouldn't have acted that way. But listen, it, it came out of me because of what they did to me. No, no, it came out of you because that's what was in the, ba the bag. And all it needed was some pressure applied to that marriage, to that situation, some financial situation, some, some weird text that we found or whatever, and all of a sudden it just blows up. And it didn't blow up because of what they did. It blew up because that's what you've been lugging around because you sowed wild oats back in the day. This is why Solomon says, guard your heart, guard your heart, guard your heart. Be diligent about it. Guard it. Because someday something's going to come out of there, and what comes out of there is what you put in there, and it's going to affect all of the issues of your life. Does that make sense, somebody? L listen to me very carefully. You can't just do what you want and then experience life as God wants for you to have it. Eventually, because, because we cannot outlive our own decisions and we will find ourselves in the future, we will find ourselves, you in five years, remember that series we just did? We, we will find ourselves being who we slowly became over time, one decision at a time in the past. You cannot sow death and reap life. You cannot sow sin and reap blessing. Yeah, yeah, but he was so hot, and, and she was so hot. Yeah, well, so was hell. I'm just kidding. Kind of, <laughs> just kidding. Just kidding. Just throwing it out there. Just saying. It's a real place, I'm just saying. Just want to make sure you are still listening to me. People are like, I quit this church now. <laughs> as a believer saved by grace, you can't enjoy his best as at the same time you are actively choosing to do the opposite of what he's called you to do. Don't then do that and say hashtag blessed. Hashtag fooled. Hashtag it's got to come back on you somewhere along the way. See, it's possible for you to go to heaven someday if you're saved with a saved soul but a wasted life because you think I can do what I want and still have what God wants. And he doesn't want you out on the battle. The, the enemy doesn't want you out on the battlefield living a life that is, that, that is destined to, be, to make an impact. So he's trying to trick you right now with the trivial. 
Oh, it's so, so much more important than it really is. It's a lie. Last, last one, short one. Here's another lie, and this one comes from your enemy. Well, Danny, I've already messed up. You've already said, man, I sowed some stuff, and so now I'm, I've messed up. There is no hope for me. And you might be feeling, well, might as well just keep going. Just keep down the road I've been going. And I want to tell you this, that Paul wrote to that Corinthian church about this stuff, and they were not, he wasn't talking about their past. He was talking about what they were doing as Christians in those moments. Like some of you, he said, you're hooking up with prostitutes. And I'm telling you, why would you do that? He's telling them this. But he's telling them in a, in a, in a loving, in a kind, in a graceful way, listen, I know that's normalized in your culture, but it's not God's best for your life. And if there's grace enough for the Corinthians who were, like, like, like they, they were out there, Jerry. You know what I'm saying? Kramer? Anyway, anyway they were out there. If, if there's grace enough for them, I'm telling you there's grace enough for you and for me. And you can't change your past, but that doesn't mean you can't give God your present. And your present will eventually become a new past for you, and it can create a new kind of future. No, you can't unsow what you've already sown. The things you've sown, they're gonna continue to grow out of the ground, but you know what? If you start to sow now from this day forward, if you start to sow the right things now, eventually you're gonna start getting a different fruit. A different crop is gonna raise up, and it's gonna change the trajectory of your life. And it might just change the family tree that you're part of. It might just change the trajectory of your kids' lives if you get it now. Get it now from this day forward. Can't change what it did in the past, but there's hope right now. And this is why Hebrews 4.16 says, let us then come boldly to the throne of grace to obtain mercy and to find grace to help in our time of need. Like, I don't have to walk up to it with shame and defeat and baggage. Go, God, you, God already knows what's in my bag. But you know the beautiful thing about God? Is, is that when I come to him with my stuff and my bag, you know what he does? He carries me. He picks me up. And do you know what that means? That when he's carrying me, he's also helping me carry my stuff. That's the kind of God we serve. That's the kind of grace that is available to you in this place. I can come, bring him my worst stuff, and in exchange, he will give me life and joy and hope and a brand new life. And I can have a new future, and I can have a new hope because where the Spirit of the Lord is, y'all, there is freedom, and whom the Son has set free is free indeed. So come on, somebody, shout that if you believe it right now. Come on, can we give God some praise? Amen. God is able to turn the worst things around and make them for good. You believe that with me this morning? Amen. Lord Jesus, thank you so much for the word of the Lord. Thank you for the truth, God, that you are, you are here to set us free, that you are here to give grace. But Lord, I'm praying that for those folks of us who are still young enough that we haven't sowed the oats yet, that we haven't done the crazy stuff, or, or maybe we've just been thinking about it, or maybe we just started, that we would stop and realize this stuff matters, both here and in our future. Lord, so we just stop and we say, God, by your grace, I may be 15 years old, I may be 17 years old, I may be 20 years old, but God, I, I present my body to you, a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to you, God, as a spiritual act of worship. I'm gonna make that decision from this day forward. My life belongs to you. My body belongs to you, oh God. Give us grace, give us strength, I pray. Help us to swipe right, I pray. In Jesus' name, and everybody said a good amen. Good amen, amen, somebody. Come on, can we give the Lord one more time a hand?